Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily on the all-news Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Judd Zolgad. Judd, how are you this I'm good, afternoon? Rami. Sir? Very, very good. Lots coming up on Purple Daily this afternoon, including at about 1.20, we're just going to go ahead and fire some NFL head coaches because that's that's what we do in, in the sports talk radio game. And also coming up on the show, we'll do one of those what-ifs that you guys like to do so much we and how, how this past season could have gone much, much differently for your Minnesota Vikings. But want to start the afternoon off asking what to do with Anthony Barr, and you can get in on the conversation, 651-646-8255, or chime in on Twitter at score north he he seems to be headed towards free agency today at espn.com judd the biggest looming free agent decisions for all 32 nfl teams and not surprisingly anthony barr was the one for the minnesota vikings you don't want to let a guy as talented as anthony barr go but i i feel like they're almost in a position where they kind of have to i think they absolutely do and here's the conversation. So you saw in 2018 what Cousins can do. You saw offensively where you definitely took a step back. I think the conversation with Zim is very simple. You call Mike in and say, okay, we went and got Kubiak. The Kubiaks. Were, he's <laughs> the, the Kubiak off, family. The Kubiak the family. family. Ma Kubiak, Pa right. Kubiak. They're all here. They've all been hired. <laughs> Uh, they they are head coach offense, right. but we're doing this because you are head coach defense, and you're damn good there. So I think the conversation goes beyond Barr. I think the, the conversation starts with Barr, who's going to leave, but I think it involves conversations about guys like Trey Waynes as well, and to say, Mike, you're going to have to do an unbelievable job of coaching defense because some of this talent is going to have to be peeled away for cap purposes to improve us offensively, most importantly on that line probably, so I guess my comeback to the bar question is, how can you afford to keep him? Right. He's really good, and and I think a team that probably plays more of a 3-4 uh, scheme, which can then use him consistently to rush the quarterback, is going to come in with a multi-year, multi-million dollar offer. And if I'm the Vikings, I've got to say, you know what? You've done a nice job. You can, you can make an argument that he hasn't been utilized as well as he probably could have during his time here consistently, but Rami, I guess my comeback is, can the Vikings afford to keep him? And the answer is no. 
And because there's really there's two ways to to skin the cat when it comes to being a contender in the NFL, and and that is one you can get that franchise quarterback, pay him franchise quarterback money, and ask him to carry much of the load in in terms of your success as as an NFL franchise. Or you can go the other route, which is to have an okay quarterback, or or maybe you have a a franchise quarterback who's still on a rookie contract, and then you can kind of spread the money a little bit more evenly around the rest of the roster. The Vikings made the conscious decision last offseason with the money that they gave Kirk Cousins to go with the former rather than the latter, which had been the formula for, for years since Mike Zimmer got here. The formula has been... Don't pay the quarterback too much money. You didn't have to because you didn't have of to. Teddy, you're right. Whether it was Christian Ponder or yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, whoever whoever it was at the quarterback position, whether it was a rookie or just a sort of middle of the road, run of the mill guy, you could you could spread that money a little bit more evenly across the rest of the roster. You made the conscious decision as an organization last year that you were going to pay franchise quarterback money, and that meant sacrifices somewhere down the line. We saw it in Seattle when Russell Wilson, when they finally had to pay him, they had to make some tough roster choices elsewhere. We saw it in San Francisco when they paid Colin Kaepernick uh, a few years back, and they had to make some tough decisions elsewhere on the roster. And that's now where the Vikings are, and they've put themselves in that position. They paid Kirk Cousins franchise quarterback money. Now it's time to make some of those tough choices. And the interesting thing in the case of of Wilson in particular is this. Wilson is so damn good that that you can give him an offensive line that's pretty much the Motel 6 of offensive lines. Right. And he can operate. I'm not saying it's ideal, right? But he's mobile. He is very talented. He still makes throws where you say, oh my God, I can't believe that consistently he can make those throws, especially with the pressure that was applied on him. You know, we saw from Cousins what Cousins can do. And do I believe that Cousins has taken too big of a rap? Possibly. Now, there are some areas I didn't know that he's not as talented in that's, that are disappointing. But you really saw in full detail this past year what Cousins can't do. And, and those things mean that your line has to improve. The talent around him, probably, in you know, d- despite the fact that receiver-wise, he's got two great ones, that has to improve. So you were really given a play-by-play this year of your to-do list and what has to be on that list, and that's why I said part of this discussion has to go being going to to uh, Zimmer and saying, Mike, coaching-wise, we're going to have to probably take a step back defensively in a couple of key places, and you're not going to like it, but we have so much faith in your ability to coach defense that we still have very high expectations that no matter who we give you, as long as we don't uh, strip the whole thing away, which they won't, Mm -hmm. you're still going to do a very good job of coaching that side of the ball because we have to make improvements on the offensive side. And you're you're going farther than Anthony Barr. Like you said, there's Trey Wayne. Oh, I think it starts with Barr. Right. Yes. Right. So, but you're going much farther than that. You're paring down the defense beyond Anthony Barr I to, am, to make some room for some offensive linemen. If you look at what Trey Waynes is going to be paid for a cornerback on his fifth year option, mm-hmm. I'm going down a path of saying I think that there's a a very good chance that with uh, with Holton Hill now having proven himself as an undrafted rookie in 2018 and playing pretty well. And with Hughes coming back off the ACL, that there's a very good chance that you're going to have to go to Mike and say one of the one of these cornerbacks that you like a lot, who's going to, to make a lot. And I'm picking on Trey Wayne's here, 
is probably going to have to be trimmed off this thing to create even more salary cap space. Because you're going to need to add at least one offensive lineman in free agency. You would think, right, to upgrade the offensive line. And then maybe you get you're one. You're going to have to find someone somewhere. One or two definitely. more in the draft. Because the offensive line right now is, is decimated. Well, I, I think yeah. skill position-wise... You're you're good. You could add a little bit more depth to the wide receiver position. Third but receiver, definitely. You you have a, as good a tandem as there is in the NFL with Diggs and Thielen, and mm-hmm. then you have Rudolph at, at the tight end position. Hey, you could upgrade there. <laughs> that that Kyle's a great. We this is a dicey conversation. Oh boy, Kyle Rudolph's a great guy. <laughs> he really is. But I think one of if you gave if you pumped John D. Filippo full of truth serum today and sat him down and said, tell me about it. Tell me what happened. Besides saying Mike Zimmer is a bleep hole. <laughs> I think what Di Filippo would tell you is that he thought in his heart of hearts that he was going to come here and Kyle was going to be his Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz is out of this world. He's a beast. Okay. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, Kyle looks the part, but when you strip away, go watch Kyle's games. Kyle's a nice player, and Kyle can be used, and this is no insinuation that he should be uh, cut and, and is not a good player. But Kyle Rudolph is not in that echelon of tight ends that we we look at, the Travis Kelseys and the Ertz, and say, oh my gosh. And so... You think he ever was? No, he was not. But he looks the part. But right. he, he looks the part, and, and he's a very popular guy here, and so speaking out, the perception of speaking out against him is pro- probably, how can you say that about Kyle? Kyle's a very nice player, but he's a nice player. He's not a great player. Kyle has shortcomings, certainly, in the blocking game. And he can catch the ball, but that athletic, true basketball ability that that some guys have. Right. And I'm talking about guys that you you look at and say, that guy could go and play in the NBA tomorrow. Kyle does not have. And so... If you really wanted to, if you thought about it, there could be a very compelling case made that the Vikings could definitely upgrade at that position. But you're not going to go in free agency to upgrade at that no, position. No, it's no, not no. that much. I'm just a need. throwing that out might, there as an issue. You might draft a successor to Kyle Rudolph in the in this year's draft. Now, my my hot take, Rami, a couple of days ago about the offensive line is the one place that I would start to look long and hard because the entire focus in 2018 was guard play because mm-hmm. the guard play stunk, mm-hmm. and and we talked about guard play, and you got. Upgrade on guards. Okay, if you upgrade on guards, though, odds are you're going to draft or or sign a guy that fans are like, who? Because, you know, guards are guards. Unless you're going out and getting the, one of the upper echelon just great guards, which they're not going to do. But my hot take, and the one place that I would definitely look long and hard about getting an improvement, an upgrade, left tackle. Riley Reef. Okay, the problem in this town is this. I feel like you're trying to fix problems that don't exist, Joe. No, no, no. <laughs> no, the offensive there are, line, the there offensive are enough line, problems that do exist. The, no, but the offensive line problem, I think, also exists at left tackle. People didn't talk about it because a few years back, we were saddled with a guy named T.J. Clemmings. Mm-hmm. God bless him. <laughs> his mother loves him. I'm sure his family loves him. Sure, it he's was a bad, great Ronnie. guy. It oh, was really bad. It was, it, yeah, was, yeah, it was unwatchable. It was really bad, yeah. It was unwatchable. It was painful to watch. So, so they went out and signed Riley Reef, who was an upgrade. The problem is Reef is sort of a breaking down old school O line guy who's at a point now where he's hurt a lot. And so his play takes a definite step back. So the place that I would look at starting to upgrade, if I said to myself, okay, this line, what can I do? Is left tackle. Would you move him to right tackle or elsewhere on the Detroit line? Detroit tried to move him to right ties. tackle. Detroit tried to move him to right tackle, and he pretty yeah. much stunk. If I could upgrade at all, I'd cut ties. 
Really? Yes, I would. So you're looking to replace at least three guys on that offensive line. Two uh, guard positions and left tackle. Well, Nick Easton's going to be back, and if he comes yeah. back healthy, he's okay. He's not bad. Um, Do you want to rely on that though? That's the that's the I trouble I would Easton. rather not, but I'll tell you what I don't I don't. Everyone should be fired if we get a Tom Compton repeat. <laughs> Tom Compton was Cousins' buddy, and they brought him in as a backup guard, and he ended up starting the whole year, and it was inexcusable. He was his buddy. That's why they basically is my. Compton's from here, cousin's friend. Right. He started the whole season. It was, again, unwatchable. But I just, I think that what we aren't focused enough on is is left tackle is the most important position on the line. And if you can find one that could be an upgrade on Reef, that would be a nice starting point to me. Because the thing with Kirk Cousins is, and I think he has a lot of really good attributes, the success he's had in the NFL it's no accident, and it's not because of the talent he Wait was surrounded show with, with Matthew in Washington. <laughs> I know what Matthew Collar says about Kirk Cousins. He's got a lot of great points. Okay, I, I also, I also, I also see, I also see his his side of things. But I, I don't think that it's pretty undeniable that he has some traits that that you need to be a quality NFL quarterback. But one thing that was painfully obvious this year, Judd, was that he does not have pocket presence. And he he cannot avoid a rush, and I think that's I think that's really what Nick Foles is not nearly as physically talented as Kirk Cousins, but Nick Foles knows how to stand in the pocket and deliver a ball and take a hit or avoid the rush by himself an extra second, second and a half, and find that open man. If Kirk Cousins had that, he'd be a far better quarterback than Nick Foles. That's the only thing that Nick Foles has over a Kirk Cousins. That being said, you have to fix the offensive line because of who your quarterback is to 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 let those attributes that he has that are actually positive to let them shine. He needs a good offensive line. He's not a guy who can make things happen on his own when it all breaks down. Yes, and and I'll, I'll take that a, a step further by saying you not only need to fix that line and and the protection issues there. I believe, and the Kubiaks again should do this, Mm -hmm. I believe that you need to prop Cousins up through coaching. I don't believe that he can do this by by himself. The the fact that we need to forget the salary because he's not that guy. Right. He was was the best available guy on the market that the Vikings went and got. All right? So accept that. That's just, that's done. But... Kirk Cousins, what we saw was he doesn't have pocket presence, and I don't believe that he really has the presence and or thought process to successfully prop himself up on a weekly basis, which is why you go go get a head coach of offense. Because what you need now is you need somebody, and that this is going, is going to sound incredibly condescending, and I do mean this, is you need somebody to hold his hand. He needs to have his hand held. And I think he's got the God-given athletic ability to succeed then, but if you say, Kirk, go turn it loose, I think you're going to end up with a lot of fumbles, mistakes, bad decisions. I think that that mentality with Kirk sabotages your team and offense. And so between improving the O-line and getting him coaching, I think you probably put him in a position then, or at least the best one, to succeed. And the track record shows his his best years were under Kyle Shanahan, who we've seen. And is Sean McVay was there. a very good off, offensive mind, offensive coordinator and, and innovative offensive mind. Six five one six four six eight two five five. If you want to get in on Purple Daily, Danny in New Jersey, dial that. Now he's on the air. What's up, Danny? 
Hey guys, uh, congrats on the new uh, on the new show. Thank you, man. Uh, Robbie, welcome, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you guys. Um, so, <clears throat> just listening to you guys touch on uh, you know the offensive line and uh, Cousins, which has obviously been a big talker for a while. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, how many times have we spoken about this, Judd? I think you've mentioned it a million times. I mean, if these guys don't address the offensive line, people are going to be fired. I mean, it's just that simple. I think last year, I, I know there were a couple uh, draft professionals saying that the Vikings were looking to pounce on some offensive linemen, then there was a big run. I mean, I'm still actually bothered. I, I, I know it's like a whole other year and we got to move past it, but Spielman had the draft capital last year to move up. You know, I know he likes to play games. He likes to have double-digit draft picks and and all that stuff. This year, in my opinion, I mean, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter and I'm seeing all these different mock drafts already. I mean, I live in New Jersey, so I don't live up there by you guys. So the, 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 the story down here is about, like, Greg Williams finding with the Jets and people are about to lose their minds over that. So I can only imagine how it's going to go up there, and I've already seen it on Twitter. If they even dare to try to draft defense first round – um, I think people are going <laughs> to rebellion. Going to be what's that? I said they they will not be pleased. It, it, it'll no. be hell to pay if they do that. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, you know. I know. I know it's a little early to start shooting out some names for guards and and offensive tackles and stuff like that. Uh, but they definitely. I'm of the opinion that their first two picks need to be offensive line. I don't know if it's going to go that way, but at the end of the day, Spielman has control over the roster, I believe. Does. So I think you've said it already, Judd. I think he needs to tell him, listen, you're the coach, I'm the GM. If we don't get this fixed, we're not going to have a job. We know what the limitations are with Kirk. We know what he can do. We know what he can't do. We know he's not an $84 million quarterback. We know that. Everybody knows that. It's been not just by you guys, so I'm not singling you guys out up there, but it's been said on the national stage about him. He's not an $84 million quarterback. It's just that's what we got caught up in. That's what we had to pay to get the guy. So now you didn't protect them last year. They have to do what they have to do to protect him. I'm not really sure on the free agent market. I, I know if they make some adjustments with salary and stuff, they might be able to sign a guy or two. But in my opinion, I think the best way to go with the first two picks need to be offensive line in the draft. If you can get yourself a wide receiver maybe in free agency, maybe like a Golden Tate type guy, I don't know. Man, I wish we kept Jarius right, right? I mean, yes. that would have been nice to have him around. I'm with Thanks you. for the call, um, Danny. Good stuff. They can't go defense in the first two rounds of the draft, right? No, no, they can't. I mean, with um, either of the and first this also, two picks. This, this conversation has gotten convoluted in some ways, too. This is no longer a conversation about fixing things solely for 2019. This is, if you go through the list of Spielman's draft, the O-line, he's got it in his mind that oh, I can just address it in the sixth round or fifth round. This is about, for his sake, a change in philosophy, so this needs to be this needs to be the start of continually looking at how to shore up that line, not just in this draft, but in the draft in 2020, 21, and doing it early. So they can't go defense, but we also need to stop saying, you know, just fix this now. The Spielman's philosophy of being able to find positions is really odd, and, and I think it's mistaken in some ways. He needs to make this the first draft in which they address offensive line early, but it certainly can't be the last one. You're not going to fix the entire thing in one draft. So 
His philosophy with that position group needs to change. It's Purple Daily on scorenorth.com. You got something over there, Manny? Well, no, I, I was just going to weigh in very quickly on this, too. I think one thing we have to consider, too, is the strength of the, the depth of the offensive line in this particular draft. Like, is this draft, do we know if this draft is rich sure. in guards like it was last year? Not like because, last year's was, Manny. Because that might be the problem. If, if you're, the Vikings are drafting, what, 18th? I think. Uh, yes, 18? 18. Yeah, that's so right. So is the question you have to ask yourself, is there going to be a guard at 18 that's worth taking at 18? And that's why I'm saying... Because you don't want to reach for a guy. No. You but, don't want to take a guy that should be a second-round pick in the first round just because you need a guard. But that's why I'm saying his philosophy needs to change here, too. Yeah. He, he makes some odd picks. You can find running backs anywhere. Wide receivers... Unless it's a top five guy, right? Mm-hmm. So Rick's Rick's philosophy, starting with this draft, needs to be altered. And what he needs to start to do and realize is O-line, if it is there, needs to be taken. Like, you can't just be like, I'll find some guy from Kalamazoo in the fifth <laughs> round. And be, no, I'm serious. Yeah. And, and, and it's incredibly frustrating because, and he had this philosophy until Zim showed up about cornerbacks. He thought, oh, I'll just take corners in the Asher Allen. He's an undersized bleeping corner from Georgia in the third round. I could beat him. So, so, and then Zim showed up and they changed that. But the fact is, offensively, I'm hoping the Kubiaks get to him and say, Rick, what are you doing here draft wise? Because Rick's not a bad evaluator of talent, but I think he's very misguided and mistaken at times about position groups and where he wants to take them. Some organizations have a knack for finding those offensive linemen who aren't on anybody else's radar and they can find them in the third or fourth round. Ted Thompson with the Packers was great at it. Most mm-hmm. of their offensive line was compiled of guys who they found late in the draft, including David Bakhtiari, who you can make the case as the best left tackle in the league. I think he was a third-round pick, but you're right. He just doesn't have the track record to do it, so he needs to reach high to, to make sure that he hits on these offensive linemen. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and at scorenorth.com. We're here every day at noon. Right after this, we're going to fire some NFL head coaches. We're pinning our ears back. Scorenorth.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff. There's Judd Zolgad coming up on the show. We're still going to uh, take a look at what could have been with these Minnesota Vikings if only they had made a couple different choices. There were uh, eight NFL head coaching vacancies following this season, Judd, but uh, we just didn't think that was enough. <laughs> no, on, we didn't. You're on Purple Daily. There never are enough no, vacancies just, in this just, league. Just not enough guys fired, in our opinion. And we so were right, too. What we've done, you, Manny, and, and, and myself, we've put together a list of uh, three coaches, and all of us agreed. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. All of us agreed that we probably could have come up with a list of more than three. But three coaches who we cannot believe are still employed. We'll take yours as well at Score North on Twitter. Uh, how do you guys want to do this? Go around the horn with uh, sure. number three and then uh, work our way up to number one. Manny, why don't you go ahead first with uh, your number three coach who you can't believe is still employed in the NFL? Ron Rivera. Okay. And he's number three on my list. He's the lowest rated of the three on the list because he did take the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl three years ago. But the way they started this this past season, 
at six and two and then just went into the tank and then Cam was just a mess. And now we're hearing the, the Carolina Panthers owner, their new owner, come out and say that Cam could sit out all of twenty nineteen. Yeah, I'm not buying I mean, it, but yeah, that's pretty good I stuff. Mean, and the the yep. way that team just sort of melted down in the second half of the season, a one and seven finish after a six and two start. I'm I'm very very surprised that Ron Rivera is going to be back. Yeah, I had Ron Rivera was the guy who ju- was just on the outside looking in of my list. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He he just barely didn't make it. Judd, who's number three on your list? I am with Manny Hill. Okay. Okay. So so the Panthers went seven and nine. He has had two losing seasons since going to the uh, Super Bowl and of course not w- winning that game in 2015. The Panthers. So the past three years are six and ten, eleven and five, great uh, comeback, seven and nine. He has had five losing seasons in eight years. And the other thing about yeah. R- Rivera that's odd to me at this point too is, as Manny said, their owner changed, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's the ultimate time to come in and fire a guy. Mm-hmm. So I would have thought that that Ron would be on at least his second job by now. He's my number three. Number three for you. Number three for me was, uh, and I'm pretty sure this guy's going to end up on both your lists, but number three for me is Jason Garrett. How in Dallas, with Jerry Jones as your boss, who's willing to invest as much as a guy can possibly invest in a roster and willing to go out and make moves like trading for Amari Cooper. And I know a lot of people like to bag on Jerry Jones for his abilities as a general manager, but he's willing to make big moves and big changes to try and help his coach and upgrade his roster. And for that, Jerry Jones has gotten four winning seasons and three playoff appearances and no Super Bowl appearances in nine seasons for the Dallas Cowboys, who are supposed to be the class of the NFL. Here's what I don't get about that. Mm -hmm. Jerry Jones in Dallas and Daniel Snyder in Washington are as loose cannons as you could possibly get, right? right? Like we look at them and we're like, you got, what are you doing? But they really don't fire coaches that much. Like these, these would be those would be two jobs that you would think would be churned and burned through every like, let's say three or four years, right? Yeah. It is. It is amazing that those two guys, with their personalities and lack of patience, essentially keep guys. So I'm surprised too. And on top of that, and this is a theme I'm going to keep coming back to in my coaches who I can't believe are still employed. If you're an offensive-minded head coach, offense better be the bread and butter of your football Mm -hmm. team. In the nine years that Jason Garrett has been the head coach of the Cowboys, not only have they only made the playoffs three times, they've had a top 10 offense three times. Wow. Three Mm. times they've had a top 10 (laughs) offense in Dallas, according to yards, since Jason Garrett has been the head coach. So... If you're how you're an offensive head coach and you still have your job after nine years with three top ten offenses is beyond me. Manny, who's number two on your list? Well, Jason Garrett was actually number four on my list, so he was like okay. my first one right. out. Um, but number two on my list, and Judd kind of alluded to it by mentioning the owner, uh, is Jay Gruden. I look at Jay Gruden and and I'm saying, what has he really done? He's been the head coach in Washington for five years and he's made the playoffs one time. Now, this year, they got a bit of a bad break because Alex Smith had a really gruesome, you know, broke his leg. But even then, even before the injury, they were kind of a fringe playoff team anyway. So at this point, you know, you got Kirk Cousins for for all of those years, and then you let him go, and you make the big trade for Alex Smith. You give him a lot of money. You were still a 500 mediocre team that's 
sort of fighting for a playoff spot. I'm really surprised that he's made the playoffs one time in five years. And Daniel Snyder, Judd, to your point, that guy's crazy. I'm I know. surprised so how, that he didn't pull the plug on, on Jay Gruden. How does, yeah, he's completely nuts. Yeah. You think somebody has gotten to him and said you can't fire the coach every year? It's just you just can't do no, this. No, but it's yet. been a while. Like I would have thought that Jay Gruden would have lasted three years or so. Mm-hmm. I would. I mean, Snyder is completely off his rocker. Four, He's terrible. Four and twelve, nine and seven, yeah. eight seven and one, seven and nine, seven and nine. Those are the five years that Washington's had under Jay Gruden. The only reason he wasn't on my list is because of, is because I feel like he hasn't really had a roster that he sure. should be getting much more than that out of. And don't forget, Sean McVay was on that staff. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> the hottest head coach yes, in the yes, National Football League yep. right now was even, Kirk Cousins, I think, position coach. Even he couldn't fix it. That's, yeah. that's what that tells you True. about the situation in Washington. Number two on your list of coaches you can't believe are still employed, Judd. All right, one year, and I don't know how this buffoon kept his I job. I know where you're going. Oh, this guy's this. an idiot. <laughs> Matt Patricia. <laughs> Matt, like, Don't you look at Matt. Matt Patricia is a mistake that needs to be fixed. If you are the yes. Lions... How do you not look at, at him six and ten, can't deal with people to save his life, came in and had that BS thing in in the camps of I'm gonna run them, I'm gonna run these guys. It's like, dude, this is not nineteen seventy-five, okay? Matt Patricia is a one and done guy. If the Arizona Cardinals looked at Steve Wilkes, who by the way probably deserved after a year to be fired, but if the Arizona Cardinals were smart enough, and the Cardinals are idiots, to look at Steve Wilkes <laughs> and say you're fired, how do you not look at it? And seriously, sometimes you just screw up. Yeah. Like sometimes you hire yeah. the wrong guy. It's not. It's not the end you of the world. You just admit it. You just. Right. But the yeah. Bel- the Belichick tree is nothing but poisonous. Like the Belichick tree. What's off that tree where you're? Oh, this is fantastic. Let's just wait and see. It really hasn't the, happened. The Belichick tree implodes continually. Matt Patricia is a coordinator. He's nothing more. He can't deal with people. He can't deal with players. He can't deal with the media. He is a buffoon of the first class. You know, I'm going to admit, and Matt Patricia is on my list, so I'll go ahead and get to it. I'm going to admit that I thought Matt Patricia was going to break the chain of Bella, of the Belichick tree not working. I thought he would be a successful NFL head coach. And a lot of people were bagging on him and saying, you can't have that look. That I don't know if you want to call it slobbish look, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the yeah, the sweatsuits, the, the yep. he's a little overweight. He wears the beard. He wears the baseball cap. He's not the most kempt dude. He's he's a pretty and a lot of people said you can't be a coach with that look. And I said I defended him. I said that's ridiculous. What does that have to do with what kind of NFL head coach he is? And I still stand by that. But he was just such a train wreck. Once he actually got the job. Remember the slouching? Yeah, Remember? I was going to say, yeah. here's, here's the thing. You can be a fat slob, and that's fine. Yeah. You can't be a fat slob telling a Other, reporter to sit up. Exactly. Like, like it's you're dressed in a tracksuit, which I have, <laughs> I, I have no problem with being a fat slob in, in sweatpants, okay? Yeah. I've done it. Sure. I've got, so I'm not criticizing it. I spent most of my life as a fat slob but in did sweatpants. You ever, but did you ever look anyone in the eye and say, sit up? Um, well, you know... Do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. And then the hypocrisy continued when he talks about being a professional and respecting the process and then leading up to the Week 17 game against the Packers, we find out that Matt Patricia is routinely late 
to his own meetings right. and unapologetic about it. What kind of head coach is late to his own meetings and unap- unapologetic about it? Most coaches are, you know, the the football guy who, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 15 minutes late. The coach is 15 minutes late. What kind of tone is he setting? He is an absolute train wreck of an NFL head coach. And the hat trick was was when he took his team outside to practice yes, see, with indoor and to. warm weather games over the next, what, three weeks? Yeah. They, I, I think they were going to Carolina, and then they were going to be at home in the Dome for two games. And this idiot goes outside and practices and tries to defend it. What gets me to... You're and fired. Two things on Matt Patricia for me. One was I was sour on him after Nick Foles tor- torched his defense in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that that was the beginning. Like a year ago, I was sour on on Matt Patricia. But then, Judd, you just alluded to it the the snow pra- the practicing in the snow, and then to like go on this like four or five minute just like explanation to the media of why they practice. It was just so condescending and just arrogant and just doing all of that to to explain why you practiced unnecessarily in the snow was just ridiculous. So is Matt Patricia on all our lists? Is that he actually is not on my oh, he's list. He's not on your list. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of hate for a guy that didn't make your list. But it's only because he's he's only gotten one year. All right, let's get to number one on our list of coaches we can't believe are still employed in the NFL. Manny, who you got? I actually thought that this would be number one on all of our lists. It's Doug Marone for me. Yeah. Me like too. I mean the the way that team you were a quarter away from going to the Super Bowl a year ago. Shocking the world by going into Foxborough and beating Belichick and Brady to go to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles as your quarterback, and then you decide to just run it back with the same with the same quarterback, even though he was abysmal, mm-hmm. and then you just fall flat on your face after a three and one start this year and finish what was it four and twelve, and now Tom Coughlin's bringing him back. It's it's just baffling to me, and it's clear that Marone's just a buffoon too. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you said to yourself, okay, you got a bad deal from Coughlin, and they've saddled him with this personnel, and it's not all his fault, but he's a buffoon. And Collar uh, covered him for a couple years in Buffalo and said he's just a terrible guy. He's a complete joke. So if you're the Jaguars and you've got a chance to hit the reset button right now, you know, bang, you can change the whole thing, which you should do, and you bring this guy back, there's always one or two coaches that teams stick with, and everybody says, why? Yeah. Doug Marone is not on my list. Really? Surprisingly wow. enough, he's not on my list. My number one coach, who I can't believe is still employed, the hire itself didn't even make sense to me, is Dan Quinn with the Falcons. Mm. He's been there for four years. I think they have two playoff appearances in the four years. Yeah, two playoff appearances in the four years. Two winning seasons in the four years. So the record isn't that bad. But A, and we talked about this in the first segment, there are two ways that that you contend to win Super Bowls in the NFL. One is with the franchise quarterback, or two is with the money a little bit more evenly spread throughout the roster. You paid Matt Ryan to to be your franchise quarterback and put a lot of the the future success of the team on Matt Ryan, and then you hired a defensive-minded head coach. If you're going to pay that guy that kind of money, you hire an offensive genius, attach those two at the hip, and let them go until they run out of steam. That's I think that's the blueprint for the easiest way to succeed in the NFL. And they completely blew that Super Bowl. Right. Just completely (laughs) kicked it away. So to to hire a defensive-minded head coach, and then on top of that, what I said earlier about Jason Garrett and their offensive rankings... You brought in Dan Quinn to fix the defense. Out of the four years, you've had rankings of 16, 25, 28th in the NFL. 
in total defense. Okay, that's a good case against him. So what exactly is he doing? <laughs> what would you, <laughs> what would you fixing, say you do here, Dan? <laughs> if he's not fixing the defense, what exactly is yeah. Dan Quinn doing? It, the hire itself didn't make sense to me, and he hasn't done what he was brought there to do, which is give Matt Ryan a good defense to help him out on the other side of the football when he's standing on the sidelines. And n- nonetheless, how did Doug Moreau not make your list? <laughs> how did he not end up at least number three? Because I feel bad for the guy that he's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. They all deserve each other at this point, including Tom Coughlin. We'll be back right after this with a what if for your Minnesota Vikings and what could have been in 2018. It's Purple Daily every day at noon here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Daily here on Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com every day at noon 52 weeks a year every weekday I should say 52 weeks a year we in some form sometimes it'll be me and Judd some days it'll be Matthew Collar rotating cast of uh, on-air personalities will bring you some Vikings talk every day from noon to one here on the new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com follow us on Twitter Instagram Facebook YouTube we are doing a very... We're very, everywhere. We're everywhere. Everywhere you want to be, like the old American Express. Judd, I was uh, yesterday reading the, the piece at StarTribune.com about how the, the new offensive coordinator pick and the hiring of Gary Kubiak won't necessarily fix the problems for the Vikings offense if they don't fix the offensive line. And they go through in some detail there what we've gone through in some detail about how difficult it'll be to fix the offensive line with the salary cap restrictions that the Vikings do have. And and after reading that article, while reading that article, the thought occurred to me, well, what if they didn't have these salary cap restrictions? And the only way that they don't have those salary cap restrictions is if they never sign Kirk Cousins and maybe keep Case Keenum and spend that money on some offensive line instead of the quote-unquote franchise quarterback. How do you think this season plays out if if that was the road they decided to go down? Awful. Really? Awful. Case Keenum was a one-year pop-up, um, backup, lifetime backup quarterback destined to regress in 2018. And so w- where the mistake was made, it's twofold. The mistake was made in not doing more to address the line, but the mistake also, the biggest, easily the most correctable thing, because it could have been done instantly and they screwed this up, was the Filippo hiring was a terrible hire. I don't know what they became convinced of if it was Zim ta- talking to him and saying, you beat me so bad, your team in in the N- NFC title game against Philly that I want to hire you, I want to know what you did. I don't know if it was Spielman being infatuated with a young up-and-coming coach offensively when, when that's the trend, but whatever the end result was, it was the OC hiring that was absolutely terrible because Zimmer can't handle a guy who needs help offensively which is why we're now to Kubiak, a longtime head coach himself, being the guy to be head coach offense. I think if they had kept Keenum and spent elsewhere, Case Keenum would have had a bad year. Case Keenum, it was a magical carpet ride, but it was a one-year carpet ride. But did he need to have a great year? I mean, with with the defense that they had, with with Delvin Cook in the backfield, win healthy, with the wide receivers that they have, he essentially needed to be a game manager who occasionally mixed in the big play, the big throw down the field to Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. He, he did, but the but the play calling w- would have been the same. Pat Shermer in 2017 was fantastic. Right. He left. 
So if if DiFilippo had come in here and called plays and the offensive line was better, still not great, but let's say they had gone out and signed a guard or something, I think Keenum would have been an absolute bust. And, and I mean, this team, I just, I never saw him, when they signed Cousins, and to this day, I think that they made the right move. I think the problem was they then said, and this is what, where they became haughty about it, was they then said, well, we signed this guy to a contract, and therefore he should be this guy. Mm-hmm. And so they put way too much on their quarterback. He couldn't handle it. The play calling was not great. It disintegrated from there. The, the line was obviously a train wreck for the most part. But... I think if you flip this around and say, okay, you spent a little bit more on the line, you kept Keenum, I think Keenum was destined to regress. And the real star, and this is what we don't talk about nearly enough in this town, the real star of the 2017 Vikings offense is the New York Giants head coach. Pat Shermer, Rami, I can't tell you how many horse bleep seasons I've seen from coordinators in this town. And there have been some terrible ones. And the play calling, you sit there and you're, we're fans. And I've sat there and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? What's the purpose of this? Why that play? Why this play? I honestly had a second thought about Shermer's play calling last year, maybe three times. And and when you sit down and think about it, that's remarkable. Sure. So the star of the 2017 Vikings offense did not play. He called plays. So are you saying, just to backtrack a little bit, yeah. that... Kirk Cousins was actually the saving grace of an off a terrible offense drawn up by John DeFilippo? I'm saying Kirk Cousins was put in a position, as many people were, by the Vikings. And it's not all Flip's fault. This is the people that hired him right. to fail. The, the Vikings made the mistake that we are all making in our conversations. They looked at the paycheck. They looked at the paycheck and thought that he could be, how can you sign this guy? And not know exactly, and the Vikings claim, we watched every Washington snap, okay? So if you did that, you know exactly who the, who this guy is and how much propping up he, he needs. He's far from perfect. He's got problems. Right. But if you sign him, you damn well should know that. And so I'm not defending anybody. Everybody here deserves blame. But I don't think that bringing back Keenum and signing him to a... Th- Three-year contract instead of Cousins solves this problem. I have to say, when I was when I was pondering this question of, and you can get in on the uh, on the show Purple Daily and the question of, what if the Vikings had had spent money on offensive line and kept Case Keenum rather than signing Kirk Cousins six five one six four six eight two five five or chime in on Twitter at Score North. I didn't factor in the offensive game planning of John DeFilippo. That had not. It was fantastic. That had not crossed my mind when when I was when I was considering. Oh, I'm sorry. This Pat, possibility. Pat was great. Right. Flip was a flip was a disaster. But the problem is the only guy I think that DeFilippo could turn to was Zimmer, and Zimmer knows one thing: defense. defense right. Mm-hmm. Defense and run the ball. Because yeah. Manny, when I was when I was considering this this what if this what if this hypothetical scenario of Case Keenum and and a decent offensive line rather than. Kirk Cousins and what you had is I was thinking what I just said. He just he basically needs to be a game manager, mm-hmm. mix in a, a, a big shot to to Thielen or Diggs every once in a while, turn around and hand off to Delvin Cook and Latavius Murray. But does DiFilippo go with that plan or does he does he bleep it all up like ju- like Judd just basically said he would? I think the biggest mistake John DiFilippo because Pat Shermer and Judd alluded to this already. Pat Shermer was masterful at understanding his personnel, knowing knowing the quarterback that he had last year in Case Keenum, and knowing what plays to call 
because he knew, okay, Case can do these things. He can't do these things over here. So we're not going to call these type of plays because it's just going to be disastrous because Case can't run those plays. But he can do these things over here, so let's call these. Flip came in and basically just tried to implement his offense and it was, in his mind, it didn't matter who the hell the quarterback was or who the running backs or the wide receivers were. He just wanted to implement his offense, and it was going to work because it was his offense. That was his big mistake. Speaking of John Filippo and, and tying back in what we were just talking about the last segment and what a terrible head coach Doug Marone is, Doug Marone has hired John Filippo to be his offensive coordinator <laughs> in Jacksonville. Good oh, luck. good luck with that. <laughs> good luck. And, and Hackett, who got fired during the season by the Jags, has just been hired. As the Green Bay Packers OC. <laughs> so he's going to go from Blake Bortles to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and John DeFilippo. John John DeFilippo. Oh, dude, what are you doing? Go back to Philadelphia. Go back as QBs. <laughs> you don't coach. think he's going to fix Blake Bortles? Oh, what? A, why, why would you? Why, I know it's a paycheck. Rhetorical question. Why would you do this to yourself? Imagine being John DeFilippo and you're dealing with Kirk Cousins and, and his shortcomings. And now all of a sudden you get fired, and now you have to coach Blake Bortles. And you have to coordinate an offense for Blake. That's the exact. Well, that's the exact you, opposite of going from Bortles to Rogers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. But is he going to show up in Jacksonville again and say, "This is my system, boys"? Blake Bortles will. He'll kill him. He can't do this. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But yeah, I the un the unsung hero and the story to me of last year and the success of that Vikings offense was they had a head coach offense Pat Shermer was perfect and Zim could do whatever he wanted but the problem is you can't let Zim get too close to the offense cuz when he does all hell's going to break loose let's get a quick call in here Jimmy in Phoenix has been waiting patiently now he's on purple daily what's up Jimmy hey guys thanks great program hey i think uh, three players the that Rick, Trader Rick, should think about trading. You guys are going to disagree with this, but uh, it's going to make a lot of sense because Zimmer's a masterful at building up defense. And um, I think they should take a look at trading Harrison Smith and get a ton for him. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, and he's got a big cap hit, plus he's injured all the time. I would trade them. And if possible, I don't know if this if you can do this, but you can sign and trade Anthony Barr to the Oakland Raiders. They want him. You could do that, yes. That would be my ideas. All right, I appreciate the call. Thoughts, man. Um, if Rick Spielman called Mike Zimmer into his office today and said, Mike, I got some thoughts here. I'm actively shopping. I'm going to shop in March. Harrison Smith, Rhodes, and Barr. Mike would drive to the IDS, go to the top, and jump off. <laughs> the Barr thing makes, actually, Collar wrote about the Barr thing, and that makes some sense. You uh, franchise take him and trade him. That makes some sense. Harrison Smith is going nowhere. And I would guess, now Now the choice you could come down to at corner among, if you're going to jettison one of two corners, is Rhodes or Waynes. I, I just think it's Waynes probably. Uh, the bar component makes sense, but you can't, as much as you might say to Mike, your coaching in 2019 is going to have to be phenomenal. You can't give him a list that has H. Smith, Xavier Rhodes and Anthony Barr and say, uh, you know what, we're going to shop them all. I, I don't know why you'd you want to part that. ways with a Harrison Smith or an Xavier Rhodes if you don't have to. If if the salary cap absolutely dictates that you have to, and that happens from time to time. It's not to, that bad. Right. It's not, no. it's not to that point. And I don't know why you trade 
half of one of the better secondaries in the NFL. I mean, what you, you see that conversation? What, what you said earlier has some merit to it. That Mike Zimmer is a defensive mastermind. So coach defense. Right. If we don't give you the best players to 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 play defense, then coach defense and make them that much better. But when you have guys like Xavier Rhodes, like Harrison Smith. You keep guys like that as long as you can possibly keep guys like that. Anthony Barr does make a lot of sense to franchise tag mm-hmm. and trade. And the Raiders have a lot of draft picks that they've accrued over the last year or two under John Gruden. But, Manny, I just don't know if they – if it's, it seems like he's pretty attached to those draft picks. I, I would – I'm picturing Mike Zimmer right now in Rick Spielman's office and Rick <laughs> trying to sell him. Yeah, we're gonna we're thinking about trading Harrison Smith and Mike Zimmer just getting up with a smile on his face and just laughing like, "Oh, that's funny, Rick. That's funny." Just, <laughs> and just walking out of the office. Good like, one, oh, Ricky. Rick, you're funny, well, man. I don't that's think fantastic. he'd use the word funny, but it would start with an F. <laughs> it would include the. It would start start with an F, and the second word would be idiot. <laughs> And then he would probably laugh. Yeah, exactly. But there are going to have to be some tough choices made somewhere on the yeah. roster if they want to free up money. I don't think it's Smith or Rose, but there is going. There are going to have to be some tough choices made somewhere on the roster. I think Wayne's. If you're going to upgrade the offensive line yeah. or maybe a couple other spots, I think Wayne's. Wayne's is a nice player, but Zim has proven and has on the roster cornerback that he can develop and has. And if you are going to look at one guy who, for the coming year, is going to make a lot and then potentially walk, it's Waynes. I think another guy you think about, too, on the offensive line, ironically, if you're trying to improve your offensive line, and that might be a candidate to release and let go as Remmers. Oh, I think that's... Because I don't don't think you're going to have a hefty cap penalty on, on letting him go. And he's just... He's just not that good anymore. And never should have been moved from right tackle. I have exactly. no clue what, what they thought in moving him from right tackle to right guard. That's going to about do it for us here on Purple Daily. If you missed any of the show, go to scorenorth.com. You can always listen to it on demand there as well. Purple Daily here every day at noon still to come on Score North. Today up next is Touch Em All with myself and Phil Mackey talking some twins. Matthew Collar's in here at 2 o'clock. And then it's Mackey and Judd with Rami coming up at 4 o'clock. Talk to you then.